Great guests lined up. Looking forward to today's show. And before we get started, Saints OTAs. We'll talk a little more Saints with Megan, but, you know, one one big takeaway from a national standpoint is that Jameis Jameis Winston, almost said Jameis Limston, Jameis Winston had a limp. Well, he's a little more than six months removed from undergoing ACL surgery. He's supposed to. He's got a brace on his left knee. For what it's worth, he took part in every facet of practice. Sat out, um, you know, one late period. And this is the, the one that was open to the media. But pushed the ball downfield. And from a recovery standpoint, he still has work to do. But at this point, six months removed from the surgery, he's supposed to be limping, Right. The good news is, you know, you don't see limitations that are forcing him to to work away from the team or not be with them right now. But yeah, oh, Jameis Winston has a limp. Well, he's that's normal at this point in time. I think it also tells you just how long it's going to be before Odell Beckham Jr. is good to go for whoever he signs with, which I think will end up being a an in-season signing somewhere, probably for a team that maybe is contending and loses a player or something like that. But locally, I can tell you this, Tyron Matthew was all over the place at OTAs. I mean, they had him lined up, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen's going to use him all over the field, in the box, at deep safety, all over the place. And I think, you know, he's he's going to be vocal. He's going to be big. And, you know, he, he looked really strong in OTAs. Nationally, oh, Jameis Winston has a limp. Well, that's normal. Locally, Tyron Matthew, the biggest story. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Another NFL story right now, and that is this Aaron Donald business that he's going to somehow maybe retire. That's not going to happen. He's not retiring, okay? He's basically basically put himself in a spot where he says, I'm retiring if you don't give me a raise. Now, Aaron's made a lot of money, and he's got a good contract. He also is the best defensive player in football, and I have no problem with a player asking for a raise. But he's under contract for another three years, and he's not a free agent, and he doesn't have free agency coming up soon. So his only leverage is to essentially imply that he might quit. They're not going to trade him. He's not retiring, and neither is Sean McVay, who just, you know, it's a good tactic especially when you're the best player and on, you know, one of the best players in the world, they need you, make some threats. It might work. Maybe he gets a raise out of it, but he ain't retiring. All right. Enough of that. Enough of that. He plays for the Rams who are the Super Bowl champs who don't really have, you know, a superb home field advantage is evidenced by the regular season finale against the Niners. Speaking of home field advantage, or in this case, home court advantage, I, I The Warriors are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Boston in game one tomorrow night. Three-and-a-half in game one. I mean, we saw Boston. They have a good home team, but they lose multiple games at home. And then on the road, you saw them go and win multiple games in Miami. We've seen a lot. Of, of of road wins this postseason. 
more than normal, honestly, I think, more than normal. And, you know, I, 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 Golden State's hosting, I, I, I actually thought maybe the line would open up to it. I think if you look at home court advantage in the postseason, the one team that's had it better than anybody is the Golden State Warriors. They haven't lost at home this postseason. You can't say that about Boston. You can't say that about any other team this postseason, for that matter. So I I think three and a half makes sense for Golden State, but I don't think you're going to see a big change in the spread as far as home court goes when it comes to the Celtics because they're just... They're a team that's won more on the road. This sense that home court is diminishing a little bit in the NBA postseason, I think is true with one exception, that being the Golden State Warriors. NBA Finals set to tip off tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. You can hear all the action right here on ESPN Lafayette. Raging Cajun Baseball, that'll be on Newstalk 96.5 KPEL this weekend. Powered from by Learfield, Jay Walker, Brad Topham will have the calls for you. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. We'll talk plenty of Cajun baseball. In the 8 o'clock hour, Anthony Babin will be on with me. But up next, Megan Glover from KTC TV3. I've never had her on this show, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. we got a lot to get into. Talk about how she got involved in sports journalism the team she grew up rooting for. I want her hottest take. What's the hottest sports take that she's ever had? We will dig into that. It is all coming your way. We'll talk some NBA finals. We'll talk some NCAA regionals. We'll talk a little Saints. We'll talk, we'll, we'll hit on all of it. You don't want to miss it. This is the great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. that's so legit it smells like beer and chicken wings i mean can't you smell it i'm smelling barbecue too espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app espn lafayette the best ticket in sports Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Wednesday morning. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, as promised, from KTC TV3. First time I've had her on my show. Not the first time she's been on our airwaves. Megan Glover. You guys know her. You see her on TV. And she is uh, now in studio to talk some sports. Tell us a little bit about herself. Good morning. What's going on? How are you? I'm, I'm, I had the wrong mic turned up. I'm, good morning. How are you? Uh-huh. There it is. There it is. 
It happens. It's morning. <laughs> how, how you doing? How many how many snafus do you have on the TV side that like is the audience like notices? Like they're like, okay, something just went wrong. Is oh. that how, all the time? Uh, maybe so, but it's crazy because, of course, we notice for sure. <laughs> right, right. Um, if it does, it doesn't get pointed out too much. Oh, they will correct us for grammar, though, in a heartbeat. Really? Yes. Oh, you're talking about, like, viewers? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I used to get emails of, like, Scott, it's not this word, it's that one. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, and it's not English class either. I'm just okay. rolling along. <laughs> I appreciate the email. Thank you. I'll, I'll work on that. And then you just kind of move on. You got the information. Right. There it is. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been doing it for a while. I, I forget, you know, when I see someone talented and young like yourself, I'm reminded of how long I've done it, I guess, how old I am. So do you, have you ever heard? We had to ask every first time guest their favorite Beastie Boys songs. Do you even know? Have you heard of the Beastie Boys? I have. Okay. I'm a little seasoned. All right. I just want to make sure. Sometimes I'll ask some some and they're just like, I don't I don't know who that is. Right. So you, you know who they are, but you don't yeah. have a, you don't have a favorite. I think I'm familiar with Fight for Your Right. Just that one. I'm not the best with I'm not going to play the whole thing. Just that little riff there. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No, that. That one. I'm not the best with titles. All right. Sometimes. All right. So you remember a few of them. It's like, I'll get up here and hum. This, but this you know. one, you... You recognize that at all or no? No, it makes me pop lock. Not... <laughs> <laughs> that one came out, I think, when you were like three years old. <laughs> All right, what about this? Not bad, right? Yeah. A little Mediterranean kind of background beat there. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to sit up here and say I do, but... That one never went on the radio. That's just one I like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, that's not a popular one at all. Yeah, pop your balloon. All right, I got to turn it down before we get to some parts of it. Anyway, all right, there you go. I'll, I'll shut up about the Beastie Boys. Uh, the listeners always tell me to shut up about it. So moving on, uh, Megan Glover is our guest. She works in sports and news over at KTC TV3. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and what were what were sports like to you as, as a mm-hmm. youth? Yeah, so I'm from Shreveport. Uh, that's about, well, it depends on who's driving, but it takes me about two and a half to get there. <laughs> Did you say two and a half? I, you know, I know it like the back of my hand now. <laughs> oh, are you flying there? No. All right, all right. No. All right, police escort. Okay. I'm oh, your please. Big deal, okay. And um, I went to Captain Shreve, graduated in 13. Then I came down here to UL, spent all of my, uh, spent all my years there, stayed behind for a couple of years, worked at, a, worked at a competing station. I moved to Alexandria for two years, and I said, man, it's time for me to come back to Lafayette. So... I've always loved it here, and yeah, KTC said, "Come on." And you work in, you know, with Seth Lewis and and Jamarcus and yeah, so many others guys. over there. But <laughs> you know, I've known Seth for a long time. How is he? Is a, uh, I mean, I, I, technically, in some ways, I guess he's a boss, but he doesn't feel like like a boss, you know. And that's mm-hmm. a compliment to him, right? Right. Um, and that's that's the upside about our relationship because I knew Seth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this sports journalist world is so small, so I knew Seth. We were already friends. And uh, luckily, the transition has been smooth. We, between me, Jamarcus, and Seth, I mean, our office is a mess. Um, but, you know, we, we really mesh really well. We put a product out. I give Seth, you know, I rib him about his cheat meals because he does two a week. Yeah, he's done well. I mean, he's, he's, he, looks, he looks fit, right? He's, he's worked hard at it. Mm-hmm. But I always, I'm like, what was your cheat meal this week? I mean, what, 
does does he does he share his cheat meals with yes. you guys ever? I'm gonna tell you, it's the Boudini at Viva La Waffle. So y'all, if Seth has not called y'all yet, I'm telling y'all that is his cheat meal, or is. he goes to BZ's on Willow. Okay. Right. I mean, I definitely good. put them out there. That one at Viva, it's like it's got the cheese and then they crush the boudin balls down on it. Is that the one I'm thinking of? I don't know. I've never had it. Man, man, I like the this. classic though. You know, I mean, I, I like the Roscoe. Just, uh-huh. you know, stand. of course, I always, I'm a diabetic. So after I eat one, I usually have to take a nap. So I can't do Viva too much. You got the itis. But it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> good. I can't, I've had it for a long time. The type one, the type one, the kind with the, the needles and stuff. No, um, I mean, when you eat and you go right to oh, sleep, that itis. That itis, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I I was talking to someone the other day. I was at my parents' house when they were out of town, just kind of look, watching after something. They had a, a landscaper in there, and he had a lot of people working for him, and they were doing different work in the yard. And I watched them leave, come back with lunch, and, like, heavy. I'm like, how Like how are they all, and it's, like, hot. I'm like, how are they all eating this heavy food? Yeah. And then they all, like, just, like, took a nap in the yard, yep. and then they woke up. Went right back to work. That's I'm all like, you that's, need. That's just, that's just a little, little power nap. A <laughs> little power nap. Um, and so what was, so Shreveport, I know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard the, the jokes, right? It's, oh, it's it's Texas, it's Arkansas, whatever. Okay, it's, it's, heard it's, them all, boo. It's Louisiana. <laughs> who, were, who were your teams growing up, though? Did you, ha- did you have teams you rooted for? I'm, I'm a homer, so I am a Saints fan. Okay, thank God. I'm um, a Bills don't fan. Say, don't <laughs> say Cowboys, good Lord. <laughs> no. Because right. there's a lot of that in Shreveport, right? Oh, no. My dad would totally disown me. Okay, good. Yeah. He raised you right. He did. He raised you right. <laughs> uh, Megan Glover, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. So since you've been here, uh, second go round in Lafayette, what's your, is there a favorite sport to cover or a story you've done or something that just you enjoyed the most? Maybe, I mean, you're wearing a Final Four shirt. Was it covering <laughs> that this year? Yes. Uh, luckily for us in Lafayette, we've had so much going on in this year. Uh, COVID shut it down, and then between here and um, New Orleans sports has been crazy for us. So obviously Cajuns football, Cajuns baseball right now. We expected softball to make a run. Um, the final four was in New Orleans. Um, luckily we had the opportunity to go back and cover the Saints in person. Uh, obviously not the best year, but it was something. Hey, they, they, they had a winning record. They did. At times offense that was absolutely atrocious. But yes. What, uh, Let's, 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 so Drew Brees, I mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff on social media. I think it's slander of a new alarm, this new alarm, that. I'm like, guys, his last season in 2020, they didn't have Michael Thomas and they were top five offense. Like, mm-hmm. did you see the offense last year? It was the worst in the NFL at times. We don't have to slander the guy to point out that, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's time to move on. It is a new era. But what do you make of like, I guess, social media culture of, slandering the old and kind of out with the old in with the new why, why can't we just be like you know that was nice and let's let's go to something else nice because people love to hate oh my god like <laughs> and then secondly my whole my quick argument about that is duh he's old right, like right. it is what it is right i mean yes he doesn't throw deep but it's i mean most accurate passer of all time statistically mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing to have right, right? you know I, I would take i think the receivers would take that i'm I'm anxious to see what Jameis does because with this receiving crew, last year we, we saw him for, you know, five games and uh, or seven games, whatever it was, six and a half games. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I'll call it a skeleton crew, respectfully. I mean, he was not working with what he will have to work with this year. You know, Michael Thomas being back, Jarvis Landry, obviously, uh, Chris Olave. Landry, so good in this. I, like, I feel like he was a receiver that was tailor-made for Drew Brees. Like, mm. perfect. 
Jameis in his career, we've seen what he can do. He's been most efficient throwing outside the numbers, down the field. He's got some receivers now. You see how many slams Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas has run in his career successfully that are really good in the short game. If Jameis can master that part, because I know he can throw deep. I know he can throw beyond the numbers. Mm-hmm. People talk a lot about the turnovers. That goes without being said, right? Don't turn it over as much. I think if he can master the shorter intermediate routes between the numbers, then I think he earns himself a long-term contract. I mean, there's a number of things on the list he has to do, but I actually put that one at the top because I think you hear about the turnovers, everything else. What are your thoughts on Jameis? Is he short-term or long-term future quarterback for the Saints? I think he can be a long-term. I think right now it's going to be very interesting to see how he operates with Sean Payne being out because, of course, when he came, that was the whole thing. He'd work under Drew. He'd work under Sean. Well, now we have Dennis Allen into play who was a defensive coordinator, right? So I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, and then he has, hopefully, if he stays healthy, Got to. he has a fair shot at hopefully a full season. Um, but what we saw in those early games, you know, the first quarter of the of the season was, you know, it was good. Yeah. And he, you could tell he has grown since then. Of course, the turnover story, that's kind of in the past, hopefully. Hopefully. But what we've seen with the Saints, I was impressed, and I think, um, I think Saints Nation would have a better chance of giving him that shot. I thought he, he left a lot of plays on the field, but there's a lot of ways you can go with it, right? And, he, and, and I'm not saying that he was bad by any stretch, because I, right. I thought he did. I think he was above average. He was definitely the best quarterback they had last year. Mm, right. So, you know, was that not turning the ball over or being too too worried about it because of the pass? Was that because the receivers just, I mean, you know, with respect, I mean, Kevin White was out there running routes. I mean, it, I, I I think this year Jameis has an opportunity in front of him and he can, it's it's his last shot. There's a lot on the line for Jameis this year because I think if he struggles, then I think he turns into your Mike Glennon or Geno Smith type that is, he can start in a pinch, but he's probably going to be a backup more time. If he does well, I mean, he could set himself up and and be in the mix for the Saints for a long time. I mean, that's what is your? I know we're talking. We're going to get into a lot of a lot, guys. We're talking Saints right now. Megan Glover from KTC TV three, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. What is your number one storyline for the Saints heading into next season? I think it is all eyes on Jameis. Uh, just kind of take, taking a tidbit from a personal perspective. Me and Seth were talking about um, OTAs last week, and uh, of course, we ran some stuff throughout the week. And it was funny because we, um, thankfully, the New Orleans media, who likes to try your video with us from time to time, we're looking at all of the sick mics in front of Jameis. You know, he has the the um, the bright lights on. We're like, wow, like this this is the quarterback. And I yeah. know it was like that last season. I don't know what this, I don't know what this, I don't know, rejuvenated feeling is like this year. But I think it's it's going to be pretty exciting to see him. And, of course, when... Um, when Chris Olave got drafted and then we looked at Jarvis Landry, Juice, um, it was as if the number one receiver, who was kind of a placeholder, is now the number four receiver. And I'm talking about Callaway yeah. in that perspective. So, One, two, and three are four, five, and six on the depth chart now. Yes. I mean, talk about an upgraded receiver. Absolutely. I yeah. Mean, big time. You know, to your point, I, I, I think, look, defense is good. I think special teams is really good. Last year, it wasn't good at kicker because Will Lutz was out, but all the other areas were really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, JT Gray's a, a an all, first team All Pro, so um, and and you got a good punter, you got a good kicker, you just you're good on spec. You got a good returner in Deontay Hardy, former first team All Pro. 
last year those guys really made lemonade out of the lemons they had. Yeah, yeah. And so offensively, if you improve there, and it's not the the they're not they don't play in the AFC West, right? The mm-hmm. NFC South. I get it. Brady Bucks and God, I saw the Bucks sign Akeem Hicks the other day. I was like, man, that's. He hates the Saints. Former Saint hates the Saints. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's been open about why, but he's a he's a really good player. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Where are you at with the Pelicans? Who, who's your NBA team growing up? Because I mean, they they the Hornets moved to New Orleans. You were pretty, you were young, but mm-hmm. that's that's up in Shreveport. They I don't know if the, what, they show Grizzly games there, or Maverick games. What was the team up there <laughs> that they showed on TV? Well, the Dallas games for sure. Yeah, I was picking up the Dallas games, and we were picking we were picking up New Orleans games as well. Um, now, growing up, I'll say this, and I said this the last time I was on the air. I actually grew up a Miami fan. Miami Heat. And that's because I'm a huge D-Wade fan. Okay. Um, so now I kind of consider myself part-time because obviously D-Wade's not with us anymore. Um, and, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really feel a way about them losing to Boston. <sighs> how, yeah, how you doing with that? How you doing? I, it wasn't that long ago. I know. Um, what do you make of, all right, Jimmy Butler shot? I, <laughs> what had, about him? What do you make of Jimmy Butler shot? I, I thought... My my take, and I said this on my show the other day, it was the right shot to take. You just mm-hmm. didn't make it. And, and the shot somehow became this like microcosm of the whole series, which is just ridiculous, but it's just that's 24-7 talking head sports now. It's like they they came storming back. He's, ex- he's played 48 minutes. He's exhausted. Maybe his season three-point percentage isn't elite, but you see Jimmy Butler and how he plays in the clutch. Mm-hmm. You, if you were a Heat fan, you would, I think you would sign off on, hey, shot to win it, give it to him. It was Absolutely. an open look. He brought him back. He's, I think, I think Jimmy Butler's awesome, and I, he, he missed the shot. But like, oh, he should have done this. He should have done that. He was gas, man. He's like, we're, if we're going to steal this and head to the finals, I got to hit this now. And it, it hit the front iron. It didn't work. But that's just, that's just the shot. There were so many other things in this series that I don't know. I. I it was almost like I understand why the shot was talked about so much, but I also feel like it was overly analyzed. And unfortunately, Jimmy takes, he gets the shots at him all the time as if he he just has to keep proving himself in the clutch. What else can he do? What else can he do? He's he's. I don't know what it is about him, why he doesn't get his, I think, proper due, but he just, he doesn't. If, he, if Philly had decided they wanted to stay with him, he's... Mm-hmm perfect for what that fan base wants if they decided to stick with him they probably would have been in the finals the last couple of years oh yeah you know with that core but they went a different direction he goes to miami and they didn't get it done but you know they were close heck at least you you, you root for a team that's been in the finals and won championships pelicans are one of two teams that have never even been to a conference finals mm-hmm. you know what the other one is no they used to be the new orleans team it's the Hornets. Oh, so gosh. you could go back to the Charlotte Hornets, right? Then the New Orleans Hornets, then the Pelicans. Then the, the way the Hornets Pelicans thing worked is like <laughs> when they when they got the Hornets name back, they also like redid their record books. So the Charlotte Hornets record books they count the old stuff from like Larry Johnson, Lonzo Mourning. Mm-hmm. When the Hornets first moved to New Orleans, they were the same franchise, so they kept all of those records. So. That's why I say technically they were they're actually kind of the same franchise for a few right. years from a record keeping standpoint. So two teams have never even made a conference finals and they were the same team for a couple of years. That's right. wild. That is wild. But they've never done it. So maybe maybe Pelicans bright future, right? Yeah. I mean, Zion, you think they re sign him this summer? What do you make of, of that oh, core? Brother. I guess now that the season over, we can get into that drama. <laughs> I do think I think they'll re sign him. 
Um, Let me correct. Him. I'm sorry. I said resign. I mean, he's he's under contract. Right. Uh, an ex- he's due for a, a, a an extension mm-hmm. this right. time. So will they will they extend him? I guess. So be- right. I'm, I'm following you. Um, I do believe so. But I think this is it might be like, a all right, we not we not playing after this type thing, you know. I think you had to put some injury insurance clauses in there too, and I do think he look he's going to want to max all that, but you can't mm-hmm. have a you can't have a player option in there. Yeah, it's got to be just if you want to throw a team option in, sure. But like Brandon Ingram, he signed the five. I thought he earned it. He, he signed his oh, max yeah. few years ago. There was no player option. It was just five years. Here you go, mm-hmm. and and he's he's more than earned it, right? I right. think for Zion, it's you 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 lock it up for for that amount of time, and you just hope he stays healthy, and then you roll with it because. You look at that team last year. Throw a superstar in there, and I mean, what's and, and they're young. I mean, I all this talk of trade this, trade that. I'm like, you, roster's about to get expensive. You need guys on rookie deals that are in the rotation, like Alvarado, like Herb Jones, like uh, Trey Murphy. Get one with the eighth pick this year and and keep growing. I don't, you know, I, they they wanted they they offered a ton of money to Chris Paul. They offered a ton of money to Kyle Lowry. I think. You know, they ended up trading for McCollum. I think in the end, it might have actually worked out better for them the way they looked at the end of the season than had they signed kind of one of those two older guys who are who are good players. But there's kind of a there's there's a there's a shelf life on that that's shorter than what the core of the Pelicans have right now, don't mm-hmm. you think? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, they proved themselves worthy, right? Making it that far, yeah. The heart and the grit that that team really played with this season was was remarkable. And I went to uh I went to one of the series games when the Suns were at Smoothie King. It was nuts. Oh yeah. You went to the one on Sunday that they won? No, I went to the one on Friday oh, that they shoot. lost. <laughs> Seth went to the one on Sunday that, that they was, won. <laughs> I, w- I was at the playing game against uh, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And it's just man, I am telling you, like I I've been to playoff games there back in the mid two thousands or early two right. thousands really when it was, you know, they were playing the Sixers and AI. I've been in there you know, for the 07-08 team was so special and um, been in there for other playoff games. And it's not like there have been a ton of them. Mm-hmm. But I'll just say that when when the, when the they're winning, oh yeah, it's a uh, – people can – national media can dog on it all they want. When the Pelicans are winning, that is as that's a great atmosphere to be in. It is, right? definitely. And that, that organic – I think also fans can sense when the connection with a team is organic and when it's kind of mm-hmm. more – staged or just kind of lip service don't you think oh yeah i mean just kind of comparing the game that i had went to and then watching it on tv i'm like man the smoothie king center is crazy loud yeah and then i go to the game and it's like like wow like my mouth is on the floor and that wasn't my first playoff game as well i've seen a uh, golden state in there a couple years back when they were in playoffs but yeah yeah i mean that's definitely an organic feeling like you said Megan Glover, our guest from KTC TV3. How can folks follow you on Twitter? So Twitter is M-E-A-G-A-N-G-T-V. That's Megan G T V. Then on Facebook, it's Megan Glover KTC. I, I don't, I'm not, I think I have an Instagram and a TikTok, but I don't really, I don't even know. I don't think I remember the passwords to it. You're on there for the jokes. I guess so. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I love Twitter for the jokes. I mean, it is serious at times, but mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes I, I guess I get too depressed looking at it. Now, I love Twitter, but there's, and it's just, I get sad sometimes. Oh, I yeah. like, I like the good stuff. I like That's the funny. I like the funny stuff and the sports take. Speaking of sports take, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we will get the hottest take that Megan Glover has ever had in sports. I have no idea what it is, but I told her to think about one. 
We'll get it next. Plus, we'll talk Cajuns in the NCAA regionals. We'll talk NBA finals and a little bit more with our guest this hour, Megan Glover. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, put, put, put. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Mike, check. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming at you on a Wednesday morning. We are officially in the month of June. Hard to believe NFL kickoff 99 days away. Hmm. NBA Finals starts tomorrow night. You can hear all of the action on our airwaves, ESPN Lafayette. Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball from the uh, College Station Regional. You can hear on our sibling station, Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Jay Walker, Brad Topham will have the call this weekend. Uh, and all of that is powered by Learfield. Looking forward to that. Megan Glover from KTC TV3 in this hour. Assistant coach Anthony Babineau, longtime assistant coach for Raging Cajun Baseball, will uh, be in, well, Excuse me, I say he'll be in with me. They're traveling today, so he recorded a conversation with me. We'll play that for you next hour. You'll hear from a couple of players as well, and Kyle DeBarge and Tyler Robinson. That is all coming your way in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll have some open phone lines there as well. But we're visiting with Megan Glover right now. You hear that music. You think, is is that old man music I'm listening to? No, stop it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm asking. I'm I'm legit asking. What what, what kind of music do you like to listen to? So, I I mean, like, I grew up in in a household. My parents were playing old school music, you know. Um, I'm a huge 80s fan, though. Nobody knows that. Not too many people know that about me. I I love the 80s. Yes. Love it. The 80s got some hits. Oh, man. I mean, what style? Kind of all the 80s? Does it matter? Or just certain... Particular yes. genre? So, funny enough, I know they might laugh if anybody hears this. I used to work at a courtesy GMC. Uh-huh. And so, they played a lot of the uh, the oldies nice. in the uh, in the newsroom. Oh, yeah. And every time I heard a new one, make a playlist. So, my favorite 80s song is Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. Okay. Bon Jovi. <laughs> All right. I dig it. I love, you know, I love some of the, the, the one-hit wonders like mm-hmm. You Are Loved by the Outfield or 8675309, which is called Jenny by Tommy Two-Tone. But there are some. There's a lot of great music in the 80s. I, I think it's the best decade of music, honestly. Um, there's some, there's some, uh, like any decade, there's some bad ones in there. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's it holds up really well. I mean, yes. I, 80s music just makes you smile. It does. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's something different about it that's just, I don't know, very toony, sing along, I guess. I'm, I, I like it. I like it. All right. Good stuff. Megan Glover. Fast, we're fast becoming friends with these takes, but I don't know what I, I have not talked to her, asked her for her 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 hottest the sports takes she has that people I guess, let's say, um, would be the most aghast to hear, right? Like, wait, what? How can you think that? Maybe it's strong, maybe it's not. I don't know. But what is your your hottest sports take? My hottest sports take is really lukewarm. Um, okay, because... all right, all right, lukewarm. <laughs> let's stick with lukewarm. 
I was watching um, um, NBA Live yesterday, and Draymond was on there. Like they, well, he wasn't on there, but they were playing a clip back, and he was like, "Nobody thought we were gonna make it." And my thing was, who said that? Like last year, okay, that's fair, but I, y'all were not an underdog this year. So your take um, is you hate when, when the players on the best team say no one believed it. Yes. That's not, not a hot take. Everybody. That's a good take. That's not a hot take. I know. I, mean, I told you but why, but, but why? But like, no, I, I, why do like players do that? Like, I, I, I've heard literally players for like an Alabama football team that goes undefeated and wins the championship. Like, oh man, so many people doubted us. Like, bro, you were the prohibitive betting favorite yes. and like you won all your games. Like, stop it. Narrative but, uh, kills me. Like, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, and look, there are some times where it's like, look, no one really believed we would get to this point. And that's, mm-hmm. it It plays sometimes. But whenever it's like the best team and the best players, like, oh, everyone could shut up now. You didn't believe it. And it's like, what? Like, you, what? Enough. Enough. Yes. All right. So that's not really a hot take. I know. All I right, know. Well, ask Let's me do this. this again well, who's, well, well, give, me, give me like a player that was maybe an all-star in any sport that you think is overrated. That I think is overrated. Wow. Because this will turn into a hot take probably. Ooh. Somebody that I think is overrated. I'm sure you're not going to say Bam Adebayo because he's your boy. He's on the team you root for. He... I don't think he's overrated, by the way. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last time I was on here. James Harden. I know it's going to sound like I hate him, but I don't. James Harden. Like, he has these crazy games during the season, gets in the postseason, flat, right? And I just, I don't get it. Everybody's like, yeah, MVP, MVP early in the season. I'm he's overrated. Like, Why? Great score, overrated. Yeah. I mean, is he a guy that brings your team a championship? Well, how many teams he got to hop on to prove that point? I, I, he's, <laughs> I mean, he hasn't. He can't. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, James Harden is interesting. He, like, I find that he's an inc- he's obviously an incredible offensive player. Mm-hmm. He, when he just checks out of a game, he completely checks out. Right. I mean, when, 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 when Philly got eliminated... His last two-point field goal that he took in that game where they looked awful in the playoffs, season on the line, was two and a half minutes into the first quarter. I mean, he scored two points in the second half. He just sat there and did, like, nothing. I'm like, what? what is this? I think Like, how are you mailing it in in this moment? We were talking about Jimmy Butler earlier. I mean, they could be down 3-0, and, and, and he's not mailing anything in ever. I, I see that out of Harden too much, man. It's like... But he's still he's good at he's good at getting paid and he he gets he, get, he gets paid. where he wants to get he shows up I want to get to Brooklyn and he shows up and he wears a fat suit or gets his uniform a certain way he gets he gets traded he wants to get traded again he gets traded again he's been able to get what he wants wherever he's gone and yet as a player like I yeah I, I some would say oh, will you take him on the Pelicans today. I don't know. Maybe it depends on what you would have to give up, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I when you got a young team that's doing something well in the right way, and you you hear from guys in Houston that said they just they didn't like that the rules were always different for him. I, I don't. I don't hate that take because you're not saying he's bad. Mm-hmm. You're just saying I'm he's not. overrated. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. See, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. All right. That's that's that the other one wasn't a hot take, Megan. I mean I know. it was a good take though. It was a good take. Oh, no one believed it. So 
all you put the me doubters. On the spot, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I okay. All right, whatever. All right, there we go. Um, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, Rage Cage and Baseball heading to the NCAA regionals. They believed in themselves. A lot of people didn't believe that they would get there. Uh, they had to win the tournament to get there. You had a great piece on, you know, the 36 connection and, and Tony Robo showing the 36 win. And I'll talk to Bab a little bit about that next hour. But um, as a whole, uh, how how do you feel about this team and, and their chances in, in, in A&M and just kind of the season that they've had? Well, yesterday, I, I flashed, you know, flashlight or light bulb rather above my head. I said, Diggs had said something about a regional appearance when we talked to him two weeks before the season started. So I went back on my Twitter. I said, yep, here are the receipts. He said that this is a regional team. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as injuries don't happen, we'll be good. This is a regional team. So I was like, man, like, I mean, he saw the vision. Cool. And yeah. I think, I mean, those guys have had a crazy good season. Now, obviously, there were, some, there were some hiccups. They laid a couple eggs. Obviously, the Texas State series was... In it was tough. I mean, what do you they expect? were close yeah. games. They were close right. games. And they were they close just, games. You know, they just didn't get it done. But that, it feels like they've kind of been in playoff mode for a while now. Yes. Which I think can help you heading into the postseason. And you play a TCU team in the first game whose head coach will be suspended because he's got one more game to serve from a two game suspension. Mm-hmm. So, you know, AM's really good. I mean, they're the number five overall seed. But I look at, at the, the four teams from the state of Louisiana that are in regionals. I don't, I don't, with respect, I don't think Southeastern has a shot to win theirs, but I look at Louisiana Tech, I look at LSU, I look at UL, I think they all have. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count any of them out. And the Cajuns team, you can't count them out. I mean, the amount of times they've come back this year, the amount of times they've bounced back, you're down 5-0 after three in an elimination game for your season, and you chip away. Then you're down heading into the ninth. Then you take a lead. Then they've got the bases loaded with two outs. It's just... That I don't. They they say they call themselves a never say die crew. I mean, you can call them, you know, the the the, the cardiac, the blood pressure medicine. I mean, some of the, the players' parents that were there, <laughs> they were just never been more nervous in their life. But uh, the drama's been fun. It adds it adds an extra element. There's something about the elimination factor because for Georgia Southern, they were going no matter what. I mean, they're hosting, but when you're in that situation, and it's there's so much on the line, and it comes down to a single pitch that. I don't know. That's just drama you can't create except when you're in the world of sports. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we call them cardiac agents for a reason, right? Um, and these guys, their backs have obviously been against the wall, been against the wall the past few weeks, and they knew they were on the bubble, mm-hmm. and something had to give. And they gave it their all on the road, and unfortunately, you know, they were on the road, so we couldn't have that type of feel here at Russo. But, man, like, it was great to see from afar, for sure. Especially, like you said, the the um, bases were loaded in the ninth. Two yeah. outs. You need a, you needed one pitch, one out to to get out of this thing. It was it was awesome. It was great drama, and uh, looking and forward drama. to this week. And great drama. I love great drama. Mm-hmm. I love. I feel like it, I don't know that we're going to get great drama in the NBA Finals because the conference finals were talking about popping your balloon. The first yes. round of the playoffs was great. The second round had its moments. Conference finals. Let's just be honest. I thought they were awful. Yeah. From an entertainment standpoint, you had, I thought game six was entertaining. Miami's win in Boston. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole Golden State-Dallas series was awful. Um, and a lot of the Boston-Miami series, even though I went seven games, so many of the games weren't close. I yeah. mean, even that game, even the elimination game on Sunday, Megan, it was like, it, it wasn't entertaining until the last three minutes. 
Yeah. I hope we get a good NBA Finals. I've, I, I admittedly have, have doubted Boston, but I, can they beat Golden State? Is, are we going to get drama in this series, or is it going to be just kind of a, a snore fest like most of the conference finals were? Yeah, I was talking with Jamarcus about this. Like, I have not really given all of, now obviously because of UL, but I have not given a lot of my attention or at, per usual uh-huh. to, to the postseason of the NBA because it has been a snooze fest. I don't know what it's been. Uh, I don't know why it's been like that. It's just, it just has not. Eh, okay. We need some drama. We need some drama. Yeah. The Jimmy Butler shot. Maybe that's why that shot was as overanalyzed as it was because the whole series just lacked drama. That shot was packed with drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, from the second he let it go to the second, it was it, it it bounced off the front rim. If it had been one of those series where there was lots of bad blood, lots of animosity back and forth game winners all the games are close i mean you know a lot of times in sports the first round of anything is the best like march madness first two days best part of the tournament right right now this year we did have this year was maybe an exception right i mean you had duke unc coach k all that and the and the the championship game was great but like a lot of times right you can get in the nfl playoffs maybe it's a few stinkers but you get some good games in there and then if the Super Bowl's not good or the conference championships aren't good, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, college football is different because of the setup to it because you have bowl games and only four teams. And a lot of times since the college football playoff came out, the, it's the two play-in games, rather, uh, the playoff games that are awful. And you've had some good championship games. But I think in a lot of sports, NBA, Major League Baseball, a lot of times just there are more fan bases. There's more seems like there's almost more bad blood sometimes between the teams, which ends up making, I think, for good drama, good... Right. I don't know what it is. It just, I, I hope we get some good drama in the NBA Finals, Megan. I'm just not... I wouldn't bet on it. I don't know. Yeah, the storylines, especially of this series, I mean, besides Clay being healthy, I mean... And Draymond saying no one believed in us, which Megan says is a load <laughs> of BS, right? Come on. I mean, what else? I don't know. Jason Tatum? Yeah. You talk about Jason Al, Bro- Al I mean, Borford's I don't know. finally in the finals. Happy oh, for him. That, yeah. Happy yeah. for him. I can't, like, get invested in a series just based off of that. Look, right. if, the, if if one of the two were the team I root for, I would I would be all in, 100%. It's feeling more like work right now. But <laughs> I hope that it, it just – I just hope they have some close finishes, some good games, and they draw me in. ESPN Lafayette, as, as, as petty as Kevin Durant is, mm-hmm. a man who just – got rid of the, the burner accounts and said, okay, this is me. I'll just clap back at anyone. Yawn. There's, there's got to be a part of him that is rooting really hard for Boston. Yeah. He's like, they're going to win another title without me. Because everyone says, well, you just went to a team to guarantee yourself a ring and you got a few, but like they didn't even need you. Mm-hmm. They went another one without him. They've, the, the core, Steph, Draymond, Clay, they've already won. If they won another one, it... In a weird way, just the way sports is debated now and dissected, it kind of hurts KD a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he. I don't know what it is. He got a little. He got time on his hands. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. He gets a little butt hurt sometimes. A little. Like it's it's called, I know, it's, you it's know called insecurity. No, no. Like, it's how does he have all this time to? He to just go back and it's uh, it's weird. Like I almost respect him more than I used to back when he actually I just when the when the burner account thing came out I was just like I couldn't believe it 
I was he he clapped back at some fan. He forgot to log out of his own account <laughs> about Russell Westbrook and how he had to leave because well Russ couldn't help this or that. And then it was like, oh my god, Katie has a burn. And he finally admitted it. And it was like, right. now that he's just so honest about how petty he is about everything, mm-hmm. I, I respect it a little more. Well, now you got to show your face. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, all right, I, I. I would like, I wouldn't be that way. Um, I'm not that way now, but I don't, especially if I had what he has, it'd be like, bro, you got all this time and money and, and you're great. You're, you're one of the best players in the world. Like, why do right. you care what Bob in Indianapolis thinks about, you know, what right. your your <laughs> legacy is? And yet he's just like fire back at everybody. Fire rips sweet. into him too. And in... The, the shows, the debate shows, eat it up every time. <laughs> Katie does this. Katie does. What, what's what's the what's your take on on hot take shows? Annoying or awesome? I th- it's hit or miss because I think it depends on what's going on at the time. Right now, I think like we talked about this season, it's been kind of like a snooze fest. I think we just you know we're filling time. Yeah, I, I just I hate when they're like, let's just throw that same thing on the wall every time. Here's why the Lakers might get Giannis. Here's why Zion should leave. Here, It's like this, the same over and over and over and recycling it. Mm-hmm. It's like, give me, like. Or my favorite is, is this more about such and such losing or more about such and such winning? Like, right. Ugh, right. Okay. I think, look, <laughs> when, when you watch, let's say you watch ESPN. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just sports center, if it's, even if it's not like a, a talking head show. Right. If it's football. They show more highlights, right? Right. And then I feel like in the other sports, it's a couple of highlights, and then it's more talk about a player or or a few players than the game. And in football, there's I'm not saying they don't have some people come on and talk about it, but it does seem like they show a lot more of the of the highlights of a game and talk of about the game, the game itself mm-hmm. and maybe some of the intricacies around it. And in in the other sports, especially in basketball, it's just it, the way the way it's covered. I think is um, reality TV esque. You know, it was funny. Me and Seth were talking about this the other day. How you know the Lakers hire a new head coach. The trend, the trending topic on Twitter was LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> so have you you seen that old meme like LeBron James? LeBron yeah, yeah, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's everywhere. That's how it is. He's not even in the playoffs, and it's, uh, he sends out a tweet. All right, let's, let's lead with this tomorrow. It's like, yes. what about the game? What does this say about LeBron's legacy? Like, okay. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it, I'm not a fan of it, but to your point, it's hit or miss. If it's a real legit debate, I, I, I like it, you know. I mean, and you can always tell when someone's into it or when they're just, all right, they gave us some show notes. Let's just yell about something. and Right. You say left, I say right. Let's just go. But you know who I like personally, JJ Redick. You know he's been he's been saying what's real, right? A lot of the time, he just goes right on. He doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat it. He He kind of just gets right into it. And I've always liked that about him. I mean, before he even you know before he he hung it up, he's always you know said what's real, real. And and he'll 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 legit respond with like facts about something. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mean Kendrick Perkins says stuff, and it's like that's not even close to accurate <laughs> like that's not even like the rule anymore and he'll like he'll like point it out and i'm just using you know perk as an example but it's like good example that's not but <laughs> you know he's like oh no one cares about this team go to okc they're there all the time like 
they're dead last in attendance this season. Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, I'm just going by my eyes, but that's not, that's, you know. Right, that's anyway. not the fact. <laughs> All right, so I, I like the Warriors in the finals. Who do you like? Uh, same, same. I can. I mean, uh, I am. Now, we talked about underdogs earlier. I I am a fan of underdogs, but I Why not? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't really have a strong opinion of either team. I mean, I admittedly, like the Warriors when they were kind of coming up and then mm-hmm. didn't like them when they had KD. And you know, from a fan standpoint, all that. Like, right. I mean, you know. You don't care for the but, super team? But, like, them kind of coming back. Look, there's two years they missed the playoffs. Both years they were riddled with injuries. Mm-hmm. Six of the last eight years that they've been in the playoffs, they've won the West. Like, that's that's outstanding. I mean, it. it you talk about dynastic. If they win this one, I, I, mean, I have to respect it, especially, you know, with Durant gone and whatnot. But if Boston won... It's kind of like, cool, they were an underdog, but it's like, what is it, right. 17 or 18 chance? Like, how can I be happy for right. Boston sports fans? Like, look at what the, you talk to someone from Boston that was born at the turn of the century. It's like, what do you, all you know is winning. You're so spoiled. You have no idea, like the hardships right. and all this stuff. Like, that's all you know. Like, don't give me this. I don't even complain to me. If you're Boston sports, I don't want to hear your complaints ever. You've got it good. You've got it great. Right. I think. In the case that, you know, if they won, I would be happy for Jason Tatum. Sure. I would be happy for Jalen Brown. Robert Williams, he's from Shreveport. Absolutely. Um, you know, the young guys that, that really yeah. grinded out this I would, season. I would as well. I would, I'd be happy. You, I think you said Al Warford. Like, there would be there would be all of them. I'd be happy for all of them. I just... Right. I can't... I the, They are an underdog, but because it's Boston, I can't be mm-hmm. like, yeah! I hope... Like, if it was a team that didn't have many titles or any... It was easy to root for the Bucks last year and the Suns. It was oh, kind of like, man, sure. someone's. But with these two fan bases, it's hard for me to be like, I'm going to be so happy for them. Like either one, I'm like, okay, good, good for you, mm-hmm. enjoy it. So I like your, I like your your take on it, Megan. It's kind of like root for the players and don't look at it from a fan standpoint. I think that's going to be my approach to them. But you just helped me sort through that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the therapy session. Glad I could help. Megan Glover <laughs> has been our guest. She is from KTC TV three. Favorite movie of all time? What is it? Dreamgirls. Okay. Favorite actress of all time? Will Smith. <laughs> I said actress. Oh, you said actress? I said actress. <laughs> it's Angela She's, Bassett. She. Oh, I love Angela Bassett, by the way. <laughs> I do. Will Smith's not my favorite actor. I do love Angela Bassett. I was I watched this movie back in the 90s. I mean, she was obviously, you know, what's love got to do with it, but right. Stranger, uh, De- Stranger Days or Strange Days was the name of it. It mm-hmm. wasn't... It, it, it was, it, it wasn't like you didn't get a lot of traction. It wasn't a cult favorite or anything, but it was one I watched a lot when I was younger. I thought it was cool as a sci-fi, and she's just like awesome at it, yeah, really good. And I was ever since then, I was like, I'm a fan. Oh no, I'm a bad. Big, I'm a big fan. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Angela Bassett. So Will Smith. Yes. Well, see now I have. I mean, ah, the slap. That's why I laughed. I gotta ask you about the slap. <laughs> You're gonna judge me. <laughs> I gotta ask you about the slap. I mean, the slap's been discussed on these airwaves, on this show. I'm so. already knowing. What? I, look, I'm knowing it's been discussed. So so what is your take on the slap? You couldn't get me kicked out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, he, he deserved it. Uh, I think. I'm not going there. Yeah. <laughs> I just, no. All right. We got it. Hey, look, her favorite actor is Will Smith. Yes. There First Prince is. is my favorite show, so ever since then. Yeah. What was your favorite episode of all time? 
Ooh, my favorite episode. See, Fresh Prince, that's... So, You where did you watch it? Because that was when I was younger, when it was, like, running its... I mean, you know, they peak. still run Fresh Prince to this day. You were so. watching it, like, did you... I, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. right, you watched it in syndication. Like, which channel yeah, did you watch it on definitely. growing up, all the reruns? Um... Nick Maybe, probably, Nick probably. I don't, it's not, I don't even know why I asked you. It's not yeah. important. But the point what is, it came, it came before, you know, right. you were you were born. And mm-hmm. so you, you caught it later in life. But uh, yeah. and I, I like the Cosby the show DVDs. growing up. And now I, I, ca- I can't watch yeah. it. I can't. I just, you know, right. I, I just can't. I can't. I love the movie The Usual Suspects. Now it's like, I just, I see Kevin Spacey. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. It's just weird. I don't know. All right. Took a weird, around a little bit. Took a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Glover has been our guest on the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday morning, the 1st of June. We are here 99 days away from the NFL season opener. Bills, Rams. I love the NFL. What's your favorite? Last thing. What's your, what's your favorite sport, college or pro? Like, what's your favorite sport to cover? Oh, football by far. NFL, high school, college. Like, which one? Mm, I'm going to say NFL. I'm going to say NFL. It's probably king. a boring answer, but yeah. No, no, it's, it's, how can you not? How right. can you not? And your dad raised you right. Yeah. You grew up just in Shreveport where news stations used to fight. Where we going to show the Saints or the Cowboys today. You choose your color. You chose your colors. And look, I, I you know, Norm Locke, who used to work here, it's like, he talks all this trash as a Cowboys oh, fan. I'm like, of course. bro, you, like, your whole, like, I don't understand it. Because all they've done is given you pain. You're not old enough to have enjoyed their glory days, either of them, you know, whether it be in the 70s slash early 80s or in the 90s. Like, you, your, your whole life, as long as you can remember, they've been beat by the Saints twice as many times as they've beat them in the matchups. And he's from New Orleans, so I give him grief and his family Saints fans. I'm like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're always the most overhyped team. They always underdeliver. Like, what is it? Like, how are you in this? Like just hardcore with it, and then, you know he just rambles off some. He's troll talking through stuff. the pain, bless. But I mean, <laughs> your, your dad shows what because because at the time you were born, they had had a lot of success, and the Saints hadn't. So you 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 got you got a good, got you got the good end of the deal. What was the first thing I said at the beginning? They love to hate. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Megan Glover is better. I guess one more time. How can folks uh, follow you on social media? So uh, Facebook is Megan M E A G A N Glover K E T C. And then on Twitter is Megan G TV. Awesome. Great follow. Great stuff. Herge, Marcus, Seth, all the work they do over at KTC TV3 in the sports department. Uh, you guys see it. You guys watch it. You guys read it. Continue success, Megan. Thank you for coming in. Uh, didn't know how long we would chat, but this has been a lot of fun. And my only request. Okay. Next time I have you on, I just, I want a, I want a strong hot take. Okay. That gives me time strong, to study more. What a strong <laughs> hot take. Like, I think Tracy McGrady was overrated, and I get I get a lot of grief for that. Ooh. A lot of grief for that. Not saying he was bad. Mm-hmm. Seems bad, but, like, he gets, like, I don't know. I mean, as the guy, as as the guy, you can't even, like, as the number one guy, you can never even get a team out of the first round. I mean, that's just, I don't know. Oh, I mean, you are, you, are you an all-time great in your, on your, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, that is Megan Glover. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. Anthony Babineau, assistant coach for Louisiana Rage of Cajun Baseball, will be on with me. Of course, the Cajuns in the College Station Regional. we got a lot to get into with Bab. The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 
1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And joining me now is Raging Cajun Lifer, as I call him, assistant baseball coach for Louisiana as he is heading back to the College Station Regional. He did it 15 years ago. He's been a part of a number of regional teams, some super regional teams as well. That's assistant coach Anthony Babineau, who joins us uh, pre-recording this one. He's not joining us live on Wednesday because... at the time you're hearing this, he's he's gearing up. They're taking off today for College Station. But uh, first off, bad man, good morning. And as always, man, I appreciate you taking the time. And how does it feel? I mean, that was a big goal of you guys to get to a regional. I know you got some more in front of you. But to, to be able to check that one off, how did that feel on Sunday? Well, good morning, Scott. It felt really, really great. It really did. You know, we, as you mentioned, set out as we do every year to win the league, win the league tournament, get to a regional, get to a super, have a chance to play in Omaha and to check off one of those boxes, so to speak, felt really, really great. You know, what an unbelievable three days of baseball we had in Montgomery. Just a great city to host the tournament. And after we got through the rain and, waiting around and trying to decide how we were going to handle this tournament, what format we were going to use after we had missed a couple of days. The single elimination tournament was decided upon. You know, at the time, we weren't for it. I still think, well, I still know, you know, that that's not the format that we prefer. However, it worked out for us in the fact that we played great baseball, just a really great opening game against South Alabama, just a um, a methodical beatdown, so to speak, from the first inning to the last in all facets of the game, made unbelievable plays in that game. I believe four double plays turned, and the offense was clicking and rolling. Pitching staff was really, really great. And then you move to Saturday against the number one seed, Texas State. Obviously, we wanted to play them badly in this tournament. Coming off of the sweep that they handed us at their place. So really wanted a chance to play them again. Play another great RPI team with a chance to possibly improve our RPI. And what can you say really about the performance that Jacob Schultz turned in that night legendary with, i mean it was it was one of those ones you don't forget you know no i'll never forget that for as long as i live uh and neither will he or neither will anyone who who watched it whether it be in person or on on tv 
you know, and you couple that with what TR did, the hometown hero, so to speak, in that game from Montgomery. He hits two home runs. He accounts for all of the runs scored in that game. It just And then, again, tremendous defense. And then you move into Sunday championship game against the Georgia Southern team that familiar with because we played them this year. Had some success against them, but still, this is the tournament. This doesn't matter. They're they're playing for their, even though they know that they were in, they were playing to host, and the game started that way. Uh, they came out playing like they were wanting to get that game done to bolster their hosting opportunities, and we didn't play that way. We we didn't we came out. I'm not going to say a little flat, but we didn't come out with as much energy, which with as much passion, and we let the guys know that. Uh, we let them know after those first three innings exactly what was going on and and what needed to happen from this point forward. And the guys responded. Down 5-0, got one to get us on the board. Marshak drives one in to get get us on the board. Like okay, yes, we can. We can score. We know we can score against them. So now let's let's continue to go. And Bonds came in and held them down for five, which allowed us to continue to, to make some headway offensively. Got a three-run inning to get it to 5-4, then tied it 5-5. They go up. And then, you know, what we did in the top of the ninth to score those two to go ahead, you just really can't say enough about the grit, the tenacity, the toughness of this group all the way around. And I'm not talking about just the on the hitting side, but defensively on the mound, what, what those guys did all weekend. And then Hammond coming in and locking it down for the, the inning and a third, inning and two-thirds, I believe, that, that he did, inning and two-thirds, or third of an inning. I can't remember that part. But I just know that he did a tremendous job when he came in. Then when he started to lose command a little bit, after the leadoff hitter got that hit with two outs, Tally to come in, two pitches against their arguably best hitter, best numbers-wise for sure, one of the best hitters in the league. Get him to fly out with the bases loaded in that pressure pack situation was just tremendous. It really was. And a great feeling, a lot of jubilation. We were so excited for the team, for this group. This group has worked so hard for a very, very, very long time to accomplish this goal. And they were able to make it happen. You could see how much joy they displayed from winning that championship, knowing that they were going to be in a regional, not having to sweat anything out because we would not have been in had we not won that tournament. But the tournament was won. We are in. And, and as it turns out, Georgia Southern didn't need to win that tournament to host. They're still hosting, which I'm very, very glad for Rodney and that whole group, just a class, a class act all the way around. So the Sun Belt has four teams in. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. It was like that at one point, hadn't been that way for a while. And then you add those four teams coming in next year with Southern Miss, James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, You've got Southern Miss, who's hosting this year, obviously. Old Dominion right on the cusp of getting a re- – um, Y'all might have knocked them out, Bab. Y'all might have knocked them out of the well, tournament. 
We might have. Absolutely. We might have. But, you know, they're right there on the brink. So the conference is just getting better. And we're very, very excited about that. But back to us and your question, just very elated for this group. And it was a great feeling. You know, the last regional was in 2016. And it seems like so long ago. I know it's six seasons or five seasons, but but it seems like forever ago. So back in the regionals is, is where this program belongs. And, and we're glad that this is the group that was able to make it happen. I mean, so much has happened in that time, um, obviously. And uh, Coach Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, and Coach Rowe passing away. And I know it's been talked about a lot, but I did want to get your perspective, Bab, on the, the, the number 36, right? It was the 36th win of the season. And um, Robe's wife, Colleen, texting a few people, hey, the last out was at 436. And, you know, I think for a number of reasons, because it's been six years, because of, you know, Robe's presence, right? Because Coach Deggs, when he took over, said we're, we're, we're going to be a regional team and it took a couple of years because you guys had to win the game to make, you know, to get in. And it came down to the last pitch. It was, there were a lot of reasons emotions were really high on Sunday for you, a guy that's that's been part of the program as a player, as a coach for so many years, where does where does that one rank as far as punching your ticket to the NCAA regionals? Well, I think it because of the things that you just mentioned, that uh, I think it ranks, if not at the top, right up there at the top. You know, because I guess this one and, and possibly that first one, you know, in ninety seven when Tony took over the program a couple of years prior to that in 95. And, you know, that first regional bid that we got in 97, that was obviously very, very special. But this one, because of the things that you just mentioned, the, the amount of time in between and what has occurred from Tony's passing, from Matt coming back here, from COVID, and, and then – you know, in 20 and canceling the season. And then you get back to playing in 21, but there's still all the protocols and everything that you have to go through just to play. And even though we played a complete season, it was just very, very, very tough to get through that season because of all of the extracurricular activities that had to occur. So it it was very, very special. And, you know, this season was back to normal in a sense of, of, all the protocols not being in place. It was just baseball. Didn't have to worry about all these outside factors. And again, just what these guys went through. You know, we started the fall with around 40, 41 players. And Sunday, when that last out were made, there were 28 players in that dugout. 28 tightly knit boys or men should I say, that went through a whole heck of a lot since the fall started. And they came together as one group. I think you can see that in the way that they play and the way the way that they interact. And then same thing with you know with, with the coaching staff. You know, there were there were a few changes that, that took place and Seth coming in and just very, very happy for Seth because this is going to be his first regional wow. um, that that he's able to take part in. So a special time for him too. And 
just our staff. It's just a tremendous feeling to get back there. It's, it's, it's where we belong. It's what, you know, you mentioned my time here. This is year 28. It's, it's what I'm used to. So the fact that we're back there, it's a really great feeling. Coach Anthony Babineau, our guest, great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Now I know some some folks might be listening or fans say, okay, so you you know the jubilation of getting there, but you know how do you get past that? I'll say this: I saw you guys on Monday at the selection show, and then I saw you guys at your office Monday. Um, I, I went to interview Coach Deggs, but I I saw you mentioned Seth, Coach Seth Thibodeau, yourself. I mean, it was right to work, right to work, scouting TCU, getting to it. Um, I, I would I would imagine that, you know, someone asked you, how do you move past the, the, the high of Sunday and get ready for this week? First of all, I mean, I'm sure the exhaustion kind of helps you get over one thing, but uh, because you guys have been kind of, it feels like you've been in postseason mode for a while now, but how, what's the approach, I guess, Bab, to, you know, it's awesome. We're there now. We're working, and and we got we got more work to do because you know it's it's one of the things on the checklist. But I know you guys have a few more you really want to check off. Well, you mentioned in postseason mode for a while. You're exactly correct. We 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 feel like every game we have played for the past month and a half, maybe almost two months, has been an elimination game because of the way the first half of the season went just right around 500, maybe a couple of games above 500, knowing we needed to play better, knowing we needed more wins to have any sort of shot at a regional, you know, our back was up against the wall really the whole second half of the season. And and we approached it that way. And that itself in itself speaks to the toughness of this group because they were tasked with, having to win just about every game that we play the second half of the season. And we dang near did that. We, we dang near did that. And then going to winning the tournament and the highs and then the selection show yesterday, how do you move past it? Well, you really have no choice because if you don't, this week will be over before you know it. You know, there's, you mentioned there's so many things to handle from getting information on our opponents from the travel arrangements. It just, these are things that have to be done within a couple of days because tomorrow we're on a bus, right? We're on a bus. So heading there. So these things have to be taken care of. So you have to, you have to put it behind you and start to prepare for, for the week ahead. Uh, Or as I mentioned, it'll, it, you'll be back home doing exit interviews before you know it. Coach Anthony Babino, our guest, recording this conversation on Tuesday, airing on Wednesday, Cajuns taking off for College Station. You know, um, we're talking about numbers, right? We mentioned 36, you mentioned 28, 15 to 28. 15 years ago, Coach Matt Deggs was at Texas A&M. He mentioned it being a, you know, it wasn't the best time in his life personally in some of his struggles, so he has mixed emotions about it, but when you ask him about certain games and, and, and teams, he remembers the College Station Regional in 07 pretty well. You know, I brought up the Jeffrey Stadford catch, and, and, and he was talking about it as well. He remembered it. UL went to College Station 15 years ago. Uh, you guys came up just short. Heading back there now with Coach Deggs as the head coach. 
What's it going to take, Bab? To I mean, I, look, you're the three seed. You had to play your way in. A and M is the number five overall seed. TCU. I mean, your opponent Friday they <laughs> they won the Big Twelve regular season championship, and then you got Oral Roberts there as well. This is uh, this is no easy task, man. This is this is. I mean, I know it's been tough for you guys all year, but what's it going to take to to continue to never say die beyond this weekend? Well, you're exactly correct. It's it's no easy task. Those are three very, very, very good opponents. And look, when you get to this time of the year, there's only 64 out of just over 300 that are still playing baseball. So the ones that are still playing, they're still playing for a reason. They they can they can either pitch, hit, or field, or do a couple of them great, or do all three of them great. Those are the teams that are still left. So it really doesn't matter the name across the chest uh, as much as it matters if what team can go into these tournaments and continue to play their brand of baseball, the brand of baseball that got them there, if they can continue to play that well, because that you can't go, you can't change things within a week as far as how you attack the game. Right, you can't uh, if 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 you're not a home run hitting team, you can't all of a sudden become a home run hitting team. Or if you live and die by the home run, hardly ever can you make an adjustment where you know you'll play small ball. So you we've got to just continue to do the things that that make us who we are. We're going to continue to play aggressive. We we think that's one of you know just about every coach in the Sun Belt after we won the championship texted Matt or myself or, or Jake or Seth and saying, and their, their words were all the same. It was congratulations. The toughest team in the league won the tournament. And then they added in how, you know, you guys speed aggression offensively makes, makes it hard for an opponent to handle um, you guys have enough pitching to get through a tournament to suffocate an offense. You know, so we, we have what's needed. We just have to have, for us to win this tournament, we're going to have to continue to play the way that, that we play to make us successful. We're going to have to continue to do that. If we can do that, we'll have a shot. If we don't, then we won't. That's just That's just the bottom line. But First game against TCU is it's it's going to be a fight. It, it really will, because as you mentioned, they they've got a tremendous club. We 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 played them last year. Uh, we're very familiar with them, and then obviously A and M, the five seed. Oral Roberts has one of the best offenses in the country. It's a very very tough regional, but. We know that, number one, we belong. We know that, number two, we can be successful in this regional if our game is played, if we excel at what we can do good. And, and that's really all you can do is you can just – you go in there, you play your game, you play to the best of your ability, and, and you hope that it's good enough. Oh, and and the, the things – you know, the, all these numbers that you mentioned from – it's crazy how 
all of that works out from the, the 36th win and the time that the game ended 15 years ago that we were there in 07, you know, with 15 being significant with Matt, his old number, especially when he was there. And, and it's, it's really crazy that the way that stuff works out. I don't know if you've heard or not, but Saturday night, <clears throat> Brandon Talley had a dream. Yeah. He had the exact dream as to what played out Sunday afternoon. That he was going to throw that, the final that, pitch. Yeah. That he would he would be needed to throw the final out in that same situation. And it played out. And we didn't know about that until after the game. We didn't know. It's not like we said, hey, let's see if we can make this dream that he had come true. We didn't know anything about it until the last out was made. So just tremendous how divine intervention, so to speak, plays a part in all this a lot of times. Have you have you heard the final call yet? I did hear it. Let me, uh, let, me let me play it right now. And it's all there Jay. There was something in there that uh, I missed as far as divine intervention goes. No, no, no. There's no. I was when when I, I thought for a second when I first heard it, I was waiting for. Um, Oh my! Uh, oh, oh my, my word, word Jay, uh, right? Jay, but I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. We didn't have a Schneider cameo. You, Brad doesn't say anything, but at the very beginning, you can hear him. <laughs> you can hear him breathe in, which I find funny. Uh, which no one really noticed until I pointed it out. So Brad's glad I'm doing that. Um, I say tongue in cheek, but no, here it is uh, one more time for everybody, and then we'll let Bab run. Uh, Jay Walker with the final. Final out, Brandon Talley got it done uh, at the Conference Tournament Championship game on Sunday. 1-0. Swung on, a fly ball hit to left center. Marshak. And the Cajuns win it. Brandon Talley gets it done. Let's dogpile. Everybody get on top. Louisiana is in the NCAA Tournament. The Cajuns win the Sun Belt. Ho, ho, holy cow. The odds were so against them coming in. But Louisiana gets the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And that's uh that's that's all she wrote there, but um yeah man, I, I sports are fun, man, and uh they're they're bigger than the game itself at times. And uh right now it just has that feeling, Bab. So I'm I'm glad we're still talking again this week. I'm glad you guys are still playing and I know you have work to do, certainly before you take off for uh, for college station and I always appreciate you taking the time, man. Absolutely, Scott. Um hopefully we can catch up next next Wednesday as well. Let's try to do it whether we're still playing or or if we're not. But uh have enjoyed this and let's do it as long as we can, right? We we when the regular season ended, we told the team that there was a possible six more weeks that we could be together. So let's see if, if we can make it. Let's see how many more weeks we can be together. Hopefully it's six. If, if we're together for another six weeks, boy, it's going to be a great story. We already knocked one of them down. So let's see if we can knock another one down. More boxes to check off. As always, Bab, I appreciate it, man. Safe travels to you guys. Best of luck, and we'll uh... – We'll be listening, and I know a lot of listeners will be watching, whether it be on TV or whether it be over there in College Station. But all the best, and we'll chat with you next week. Okay, Scott. Take care, man. All right, big thanks to Coach Bab. This is The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Coming up, 
A classic in the French Open semifinals. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, how it unfolded early this morning. We'll dig into that. NBA Finals and more. Open it up. Phone lines, 337-269-1077. And may hear from a Raging Cajun baseball player or two. That's all coming your way right here on the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Phone lines open, 337-269-1077. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at ESPN Lafayette. The old, the old goat debate. The old goat debate in tennis. On the men's side of things, it really... It really comes down to, with respect to Sampras and the guys from the past, Emerson, Bjorn Borg, Agassi. I mean, when you actually start stacking up the majors, they don't even come close to what Rafa... Roger and Novak have done. Now, such a large chunk of Rafa's have come via the French Open, the master of the clay. And some hold that against him, saying, yeah, he might have the most majors at 21, but, you know, when more than half of those come at the same place, it's the flip side of that is like, oh, you know, it's just the old, just the old um, dome discussion, right? Well, that quarterback played at a dome. Whatever you want to do to hold something against the guy, I guess. So a quarterfinal matchup, and it's really a shame it was in the quarterfinals, between Rafa and Novak Djokovic at the French Open took place. It only went four sets, but the four set ended in a tie break. Just brilliant shot making throughout, and they'd all got past Djokovic, who was a defending French Open champ. And Nadal is, so you've got 21, 13 of them have been on, on clay at Roland Garros. If he wins this one, it'll be his 22nd major trophy overall. He'll be two up on both Roger and Novak, and I don't think Roger's ever winning another one. And his 14th on clay. There was, there, there was a lot on the line for Novak. And he's missed some opportunities to add to his majors by, you know, Australia and others saying you can't compete here because you're not vaccinated. 
And that thing was late in France. I mean, it was, as Djokovic said, look, it's TV. It's the world we're living in. Thing ended at 1 or 2 in the morning where they were in Paris. But it felt like, all right, it's over. Hand him the trophy. That's 22. You're like, wait, oh, yeah, that's right. It's only the quarterfinal. That's it. It just, yeah, Novak said, look, I lost to a better player today. I had chances. I didn't use them. That's it. 59th matchup between them. More than any other two men have played against each other in the open era. Nadal leads the all-time series, by the way, 30-29. to 29. But in Paris, at Roland Garros, well, Nadal's got that one. 8-2. to two. I mean, he's 110-3 and three at Roland Garros. Two of those three losses came to Djokovic. That guy on clay is, is the best tennis player of all time. Off of clay? Probably Djokovic is the best men's. Because when Djokovic is at the top of his game, he's better than Roger, even though Roger is the more beloved player in the tennis world. Because he's, you know, he's classy. He's not as abrasive or weird or braggadocious. I like Djokovic's game, though, man. On the women's side, you know, there's really no GOAT debate. It's Serena Williams. But, you know, it struck me. Watching those two go at it. Because but before the 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 Feder Rafa era, and then when Novak inserted himself into the era, and it was really just those three. I mean, I, I remember I remember Agassi Sampras. Sampras usually got the best of them. I remember Jimmy Connors. I remember Laver. I mean, I remember some good players, but it was these short windows of time. These three have been doing it for a decade and a half. And eventually, Nadal will retire. And eventually, Djokovic will. And these grizzled heavyweights of the sport are not going to be going up against one another again. Enjoy these matches while you still got them. Djokovic wanting to play at night, Nadal during the day, Djokovic talking up the big expectations, Nadal playing them down. I mean, they're so different. They're so different players. But I want to see these guys in a major again. I want to see him at Wimbledon, and I want to see him in the final. I don't want this quarterfinal stuff. At this point, the only thing left is is Nadal going to stumble and lose for only the fourth time ever out of 110-plus at Roland Garros? And the answer is probably no. But he's turning 36 on Friday, and that's when he's going to face Alexander Zverev, who's seated third. With respect to Alexander Zverev, you know anything about this 25-year-old? I mean, he's tall, he's from Germany, but do you really know anything? Never won a singles title, nothing. It's, again, with respect to him, this sport is in the shadows of the big three on the men's side. And there's not much left 
between these guys. Nadal broke the three-way tie in January for majors at Australian Open, but Djokovic wasn't there because he wasn't vaccinated. The best of the best, the best of all time in a sport has lasted much longer than we thought. Maybe you're not a tennis guy. Whether you are or whether you aren't, I'm just telling you, this incredible era that continues to get stretched out will end soon. We have to enjoy it while we still Got to. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, one coach who's had a lot of success where he is in the NBA could be on the way out after eight years. We'll tell you about that next on ESPN Lafayette. Great Scott show. Back after this. My friend. I'm glad I did this test on you. The friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPN Lafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Big thanks to Megan Glover for coming on. Coach Anthony Babineau didn't have time to get into uh, the media availability we had with Tyler Robinson and Kyle DeBarge. We will play that for you uh, tomorrow. James Butler will be in for a portion of tomorrow's show as well. Looking forward to that. NBA Finals begin tomorrow. You can catch all of the action on our airwaves, ESPN Lafayette. Coverage begins at 7, tip-off at 8. One team that thought they would be in the Finals last year after earning the one seed was the Utah Jazz, whose head coach, Quinn Snyder, looks like James Spader in the 80s after a late-night bender. Now, he's had a lot of success, a lot of wins in Utah. He had success in college at Mizzou. He's been a successful coach. The Jazz offered to extend his current contract, which has two years left. But he hadn't signed it. And it, it, a lot of signs are pointing to him leaving after eight years in Salt Lake City. Why would he want to leave? a team that is winning, but also a team that, you know, the GM has offered you an extension. They're going to pay you. They want to keep you. You have support from ownership. We talked about things being a little rough in Salt Lake City and the things, you know, while they looked up after the playoff failures of the last few years and some, animosity in the locker room. Let's call it a lack of team chemistry, perhaps. That maybe Utah is trending downward. I think a head coach 
that wants out when he has two years left on his deal, has the support of ownership and has reportedly been offered an extension, I think he sees that. I think it's very telling that Quinn Snyder wants to get out. We got time for a quick phone call before we get out of here. 337-269-1077. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. If, if he was going to pull a move like this, why not? He should have left earlier and uh, become the next head coach of Duke or something like that. Um, where, where you see, if he can get out of this contract, I'm sure they have to compensate uh, a team that's trying to go after him. I can see him coaching the um, the 76ers. You know what? That's that's not a that that's I could see that as well. I mean, where is where is Doc Rivers at in terms of his uh, stability? Right, <laughs> his you know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. Yeah, I could see that as well. I could also see Snyder just sitting out a year and waiting for the right spot. Um, but I, I think I just feel like it's more telling about the Jazz than it is about him. I mean, I, now, I, heard, I agree with you. I heard on Lynn's show, you know, why would the Jazz trade Mitchell for uh, the sixth man uh, in Miami, um, Tyler Hero? My thing is, why not? Mitchell's not. Mitchell doesn't want to be there. Why? You, to me, you need a player like Tyler Hero to play in, a, in the Utah. You need players like that. I, I think that's a smart move. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some picks too. It, it, Mitchell, Mitchell's. I mean, Hero, Heroes. They're obviously they're not. They're not the same player. I mean, they're just not. Yeah. I mean, Hero Mitchell's on a totally different level. Hero's dealing with some injuries. He hasn't. I don't think he's reached the promise he showed as a rookie. So, you know, yes, they would love him in Utah. I agree with you there, but he, um, it's just not a, it's just not a level trade. You gotta, you gotta get a lot more than that. I think. No, it wouldn't be straight up. I think that was some, I think I heard Lynn say, um, couple of picks hero for Mitchell. Maybe. I mean, he's, yeah, I feel you. I feel you, man. Uh, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, it's, I, I it's, 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 it's like a superstar for a role player in picks. Hero, Hero's not bad. And Mitchell, look, Mitchell's under no, contract. Tyler Hero's for, not a young. Is he like 20, 21? Uh, yeah, I think he's 21. I mean, Mitchell's Mitchell's a young guy too. And, he, and he's got, look, he's got two years left on his deal. And then there's a player option, which, you know, a guy of his stature would never take. But I don't know that there's a, there's a rush. I, I think, and I also think you want to see what happens with the next head coach. Um, yeah, Hero's 22. I mean, Mitchell's 25. They're both young. Hero, hero, I think I, I Miami's got a decision to make with him. You want to give a bunch of money to that guy with with obviously when he's healthy, what he does, how he can stretch the floor, really good. But with the recent injury stuff, there was talk last season of him maybe partying a bit too much um, compared to you know the way he was the season prior and whatnot. I, I think it's I don't know. I, I think he ends up just signing elsewhere. I don't think they're going to stick to him long term in Miami anyway. Yeah, I'm sure you can do a lot of partying in uh, Utah. Let's have a one in there. <laughs> Appreciate it. Who was it? John Sally. I heard him in an interview recently. He was like, hey, man, Salt Lake City, sneaky, sneaky, good, good city to party in whenever you're on the road. He's like, you wouldn't think it. You'd think the opposite. He's like, well, when you're on an opposing team, it's sneaky, good city to party in. That's what John Sally said. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.